This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Sparky Fighter. Time for another edition of Curd and Long. Ryan Horvath still out recovering. Uh, and he's got a lot of stories when he comes back. He's been seeing specialists, doctor specialists, and everything else going on. And uh, been sending me text messages and uh, got Ryan Horvath in my prayers. Uh, we'll put it that way. So uh, we'll have Ryan Horvath back hopefully at some point uh, next week. Having said all of that, filling in for Ryan Horvath, special guest, Sam Holman. You can follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore D Holman, of course, with WI Sports Heroics. You can follow them on Twitter. They do a great job. All kinds of different writers covering all kinds of different uh, topics and all the local Wisconsin teams uh, are covered, whether it be Brewers, Packers, whatever the case may be. Sam does a great job. He's a film analyst. Uh, I've interviewed Sam numerous times uh, for 1250 AM, uh, the fan and first time now on Curd and Long. Sam, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, so first things first, um, because everybody is involved in watching the NFL Combine. I've been privileged enough to have gone down to the Combine several times out in Indianapolis and be uh, a part of the festivities and what that is all about. I absolutely love it without question. Um, I, I will say, however, I have not watched as much, uh, if any, really, uh, this year, uh, and I don't know if I agree necessarily. Uh, we air a show on 1250 from CBS Sports Radio. And it's uh, Andrew Perloff, the old McLovin from the Dan Patrick Show, uh, and Maggie Gray. Uh, and Perloff was talking about the fact that he thinks something's fishy or something's up uh, with some of these, all of these crazy 40 times, all of a sudden, all popping up all over the board. And he's like, I don't know, man. He's like, this just seems like really good TV right now or whatever the case <laughs> is going on. I, and I don't know if I'm necessarily there per se, but it does, I think, kind of take away from it when you got so many dudes putting up eye-popping 40 times right now. Yeah, um, and actually one interesting thing about that, I've heard that this year and last year they've had a new surface in on the uh, field where they're running the 40s, and so I think that's impacting a little bit. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's... There's there's a lot of drills in the combine, I think, that are a little bit more for show than they are for actual on-game impact. And, you know, they're, they might be a little bit useful to teams, but I think that they're they're more for drawing in viewers and kind of getting getting that NFL product uh, a audience. You know, and that's the thing, right? So the question, first question is, how important should measurables be to teams versus what they see in games? And... Everybody's favorite coach in the NFL, Dan Campbell, who never holds back uh, with his thoughts on anything, 
uh, for the Detroit Lions said that he is there mainly to do the interviews. That's that's really all he cares about. His time to sit down, learn about these kids, learn about where they're from, what they're all about, what they know, that type of stuff. He said, watching a bunch of dudes run around in pajamas ain't my thing. I really want to, I'm all about watching the game film and seeing what they do there. I don't really care about this other stuff. I, I think though, there are some teams that really care about this stuff. And I've seen it all over social media the last couple of years uh, from different guys on Twitter saying, well, the Packers have this mold that they like for this position, certain height, certain weight, certain time, speed, all this other stuff. I feel like the Packers are really invested in some of these numbers. I don't know if it's more so than other teams or not, but it feels that way, Sam. Yeah, and I think that that, you know, there's that measure, the the uh, relative athletic score that's gone around a lot on, on social media, kind of become popular. You that know, RAS Packers, that people see. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't think the Packers, um, you know, Jacob Westendorf, I know, has been on the show. He, yeah. he likes to say the Packers Last don't know week. what that is. But I think they do, they do place some weight in certain athletic testing benchmarks like I, I know the arm length and I think weight for edge rushers is is one just to kind of pick pick an example um but I think there are also certain you know certain positions and certain tests that don't matter as much to them it's funny I I remember having a conversation with John Dorsey years ago back when he was with the Packers um and getting into a whole big yelling match on a phone with him. We weren't even doing an interview. Uh, we were just talking off the air, going back and forth. And I think it was on Aaron Campman, maybe, is who it was. And he's like, Sparky, you had like the best shuttle time in the Big Ten and this and that, a 10-yard shuttle time or whatever else. I'm like, who cares about his 10-yard <laughs> shuttle, dude? And we're going back and forth, whatever else. Obviously, Campman turned out to be a hell of a good player. And obviously, Dorsey was right on that thing. But I think there is definitely something to that where – certain guys look at certain things and to the same degree i think they're and i know this to be true for sure in the nfl talking to guys over the years at the combine there are some dudes that are running teams or at least were back then maybe they're not as many now but back then that simply said uh if you're a position from this school not touching you if you're a position from this school not touching you don't care what your numbers look like don't care what you look like on the field i'm not touching you because of history of that position from that school they simply will look the other way. Do you find yourself ever doing that when you're looking at tape and watching certain guys? You know, for the longest time, it was Florida State, you know, defensive linemen and stuff, uh, yeah. never necessarily working out. Uh, so for you, do you find yourself ever doing that? Like, ah, I've been burned too many times buying into this school at this position. Uh, not really. Um, for, for the most part, actually, I haven't gotten super involved in the draft, uh, before the last two years. So that's probably part of it. I just, oh, so you'll learn, you'll learn. Yeah. You know yeah I haven't been in the scene long enough to really get burned. Um, but I think there is something to, you know, teams preferring certain schools because they like the, the way that the staff develops yep. their players and trains them athletically. And I, you know, I think we're seeing a little bit of that with Georgia with how many players from that school, the Packers have picked the last couple of years. Yeah, it helps that they win a lot too. I mean, that also helps. I mean, Georgia and Alabama, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. I I don't think you really go wrong there necessarily uh, at the end of the day. Okay, so let's move on to uh, topic number two here with Sam Holman. List the positions in order that you would like to see the Packers draft early. And when I say draft early, I essentially mean the first two days. So rounds one, two, and three. Because once we get to day three, four through seven, you know, if we want to say that the draft is a crapshoot in general, I guess I don't agree. But if that's what you want to say, fine. But four through seven is definitely more of a crapshoot than even one through three are, probably, in my opinion, once yeah. we get to that point. And that's where teams are made, right? Teams are made in rounds four and five. A lot of times you see these guys 
Uh, third rounds tend to, you know, destroy general managers' reputations in Green Bay. Uh, but having said that, uh, Sam Holman, uh, what do you like position-wise early in this draft? Well, I, I've kind of always gravitated toward the interior defensive linemen, so that's kind of my gut reaction. But I think looking at the Packers' needs, I don't think there are a lot of wide receivers that are really like top-end talent in this year's draft. And that's interesting because JSN yeah. at Ohio State, he just got up there at the podium and said, I just saw this quote tweeted uh, earlier today from Mike Clemens and said, because he met with the Packers and he goes, I'll tell you this, they really want a wide receiver. Uh, so that kind of raises flags. Now, will they actually do it in the first round? I'll simply say if they trade Aaron Rodgers, you bet your dollar, <laughs> bottom dollar they're going to take a wide receiver in the first round. If Aaron Rodgers is still here, they probably won't take a wide receiver in the first round. I know that's yeah, being exactly. petty, but I just got a feeling that's how this is going to go. Yeah, yeah, I, I could, I could totally see that happening. I think, I think good against is a little bit of a troll sometimes. Um, For sure. But honestly, I might say edge rusher just with uh, Sean Gary being out the first part of the year. Preston Smith is getting up there in age, and I think there are some outs on his contract in a year or two. Um, right. You've got Enigbari who did a lot of nice stuff last year, but he's still, you know, you you don't really know what you got in him at this point. Um, and I think that. You know, if someone like Tyree Wilson fell to the Packers, I think that that would be, uh, be an awesome outcome. But, you know, there's some talk around Nolan Smith, who really impressed. That Van uh, Ness kid at Iowa is getting a exactly, lot of love, too. Yeah. Yep. yeah, he's he's a, he feels like a prototypical Packers guy with how well he's tested and um, just, yeah, the his build and, and all those measurables, they, they really feel like that's, that's a Packers type. So I think the edge could be could very well be that that first pick. Yeah, Nolan Smith ran a stupid 40 time. Uh, and then I'm hearing, uh, I was listening to NFL radio, I think it was, and they're like, oh, for defensive lineman, what a run, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he's not defensive lineman, man. He's not, there's no way that dude is putting his hand in the dirt. That dude is standing up outside and going after the quarterback as an outside linebacker. And <laughs> I'm sure that 40 time will improve his stock for sure. I'm not saying it won't, but please don't classify this dude as a defensive lineman. It's like 230 maybe uh, <laughs> at this point. That 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 stuff drives me nuts. Okay, so I didn't hear you say tight end. So where yeah. does tight end fall for you? Because I think for a lot of Packer fans, myself included, um, I would love a Kincaid uh, uh, or Mayer uh, in this draft in the first round, even though I think realistically branch from Alabama, the safety would be the ideal pick because they desperately need a safety. And that dude looks like a stud. I don't think he's going to get to him at 15. Now they get multiple picks because of, of a Rogers trade. Then maybe they're able to pull that deal off, but providing he's gone. Um, and I agree with you. I don't know if wide receiver is something you have to have necessarily that early in the draft. Kincaid and Mayer, two totally different players, but I like both of them. Yeah. And I, I think that, probably after edge, I would have listed safety and tight end as like the next two biggest needs. Um, I just, I don't love taking tight ends in the first round because it feels like that rarely works out. I, I think a lot of the, sure. a lot of the tight ends that you see really succeed at the NFL level, you're getting him, getting those in the second round or later. I mean, the last first round pick at tight end was, I guess, um, the kid who's with the Falcons now. Pitts, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Kyle Pitts. And, and he was early in the draft. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he that that was understandable. He was a physical freak yep. and he, an amazing pass catcher. And I, I think with the Packers need there, I, I think that you could justify just going after, you know, just a good pass catcher, just trying to fill some, get someone to fit that need. Um, but I, I just, I don't 
the g- drafting a tight end in the first round gives me the heebie-jeebies. A little well, then bit. I'm going to give you even more heebie-jeebies because I've said <laughs> this before on Curtin Long before. People have heard me say it, and I, I'm selling myself on it every day. I would love to take both of those two in the first round. Like, I would love to take Kincaid and then get back into the bottom of one and take Mayer and give Jordan Love two legitimate tight ends that are totally different, similar kind of to what the Patriots had with Gron- yeah. Gronkowski and the serial killer, Hernandez. Um, again, no serial killer going on here, obviously, but having those two tight ends and then having, you know, the wide receivers that you have that can still take the top off the ball with Watson, Romeo Dobbs, I still like, you can still get a a wide receiver later in the draft if that's something you'd like to do. Running back is still looking good. I, I like that whole idea, especially with a team that plays in cold weather, having, uh, multiple tight end formations and so forth when it gets cold out. I like that. I doubt they'll do it, but I like that concept. No, that, that, that would I could see that happening, especially with, you know, as the Packers, if they look to move Aaron Rodgers, they want to pivot to more of like a Kyle shanahan offense with a lot of heavy personnel. They, you know, drafting two top tight ends could, could really help with that. All right, so uh, let's move on to the next topic, topic number three. The, this is the meat and potatoes of what Sam Holman is on here to tell us all about because now we start getting into day two. The knowledge of most fans start to, starts to dwindle a little bit. By the time we get to day three, people are Googling everybody that the Packers take, hoping to find out something positive and then act like they've watched them their whole career, which is obviously it's not happening. <laughs> uh, what defensive linemen make the most sense for the Packers uh, on day two? And you follow Sam on Twitter at Sam underscore D Holman. You saw that he just had a tweet uh, about this the other day. And I, I guess I'll start because I have watched him his entire career because he's a badger. I love Keonto Benton. Like I, I, that would be my guy. Now, I don't know if he's a second-round pick, third-round pick, whatever, but I love him, and I would love for the Packers to draft him. Now, again, is he a huge pass rusher? No, he's not a huge pass rusher, but he does have that ability and has shown that ability over time. Yeah, I, I really like him, too. I think it'll be interesting to see where he fits in the NFL. I think of him more as like a three-technique, where he was a nose tackle with the Badgers. Right. Um, but... He, he's fun to watch, man, I, and he tested well. I, I think he could go, like, second round around there. Um, just got hammers for hands. Just an, uh, he's got some real pass rush potential, I think, at a three technique. Um, and I, I think he, you know, he showed some stoutness against the run. Like I said, I don't know if I want him at nose tackle handling double teams on every snap, but I, I think he can hold his own there. You know, he impressed at the senior bowl. I, I, would, I would be quite happy if the Packers took him. Yeah, I, I would be obviously fine with that as well. Uh, let's go over some of the names uh, that you had, had put out there. Uh, Gervin Dexter is a name uh, that early on in mock drafts, when these started months ago, uh, people had him uh, as a guy that might go in the late first round. Tell us about Gervin Dexter. Yeah, he's he's one of the guys who really sticks out as like a Packer-style pick. Just I think, um, I can't remember what his you know RAS or whatever the, the, the composite athletic score was. But he tested really well. I know he was a basketball player in high school, so he's got some of that, you know, additional athleticism. He's a massive dude. I think three three hundred ten pounds plus. Um, he might have weighed in a little bit less than that at the combine. And he's uh, six six. Um, he's got a lot of power, a lot of length. Um, he's young, which the Packers like. I, I think that. He's a guy who probably need to develop a little bit coming into the NFL. I wasn't super impressed by his ability to play with leverage, leverage and, and win and get off the ball quickly, sure. which are 
two pretty important things, you know, playing against defensive linemen. So I think that that'll need some time to develop. And um, if he can do that, I think he can be stud against the run. I think he's got some heavy hands and power as a pass rusher. He can, he can be a good player. You know, the thing that is interesting to me, because these RAS scores that we're talking about, I'm seeing a lot of this and it's, and I forgot who it was on Twitter and I wish I could remember, but somebody is doing a really good job. I created a website with all the RAS scores, the pass packer picks. Golly, man, I want to give this person credit. I want to make sure I uh, do it correctly. But anyways, so they created a whole website. And now the same person is going through and saying, okay, this draft prospect has an RAS score of this comparable to this former Green Bay Packer player. I forgot who it was. I was trying to see uh, who it was. But the comparison was made to Nick Perry. Um, and immediately that was red flagged by Packer fans that saw that tweet and saying, no, 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 no. We don't want to deal with, uh, you know, another guy like Nick Perry. But you have to remember, Nick Perry was a first round pick who I think was drafted out of position, right? So he should have been in a 4-3 defense and not in a 3-4 defense. And he probably would have had uh, a better career more than likely. He would have got to play with his hand in the dirt the whole time. But if we're talking about drafting a guy that compares to a Nick Perry or something like that in the second or third round, that's a great draft pick if that's where you get a guy that has similar traits of said player. Yeah, and um, and that that was comparison was to Dexter, right? I think it might have been. I was trying to look on Twitter yeah. to see if I was right or wrong about that, but yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, Dexter's a big guy. If he tests as well as Nick Perry, that's a that's an athlete right there. Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, interested to see how that whole thing plays out. All right, let's go over some more of uh, the guys that you have here. And rounds two and three. Obviously, we talked about Keanu Benton. Uh, another one, Mauro Ojamo. I think that's how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, again, haven't said, can't say I've seen a lot of him. I think I've seen him play twice. Um, but another guy that's testing well down in Indianapolis. Yeah, he's a he's a guy who really stood out because of his length. Uh, I think he tested with 34-inch arms, some of the longest in the class. Um, but he's a he's a stud against the run, or he was a stud against the run in, at Texas. You know, he, he held his own at times against some of the – you know, some top competition. He had some great reps against Steve Avila from TCU, who was uh, one of the top guards in this draft. Um, he, he still needs to develop as a pass rusher, but he can definitely, you know, contribute as like an early down run defender early in his career. He's just got a lot of power, a lot of length. He can shed blocks. You know, they, you can do a lot that you want to ask from a run defender. Kent Lee Platt, P-L-A-T-T-E. On Twitter, he goes by at MathBomb. He's the dude that created this RAS website that I was talking about. RAS.football is the name of the website if you want to go through and look at it. And he's the one that's uh, putting all of this stuff out there. Um, And and Gervin Dexter, we were talking about, uh, didn't have a good bench, but his RAS didn't suffer much. And you go through it, all of these things. Lucas Van Ness, he does it for literally every player uh, at Math Bob, and that's something you want to take a look at. It's good stuff. All right, so... When we start talking about guys in the second and third round versus the first round, how much of a gap is there? It's an interesting year this year because there's the only blue chip top defensive lineman, in my opinion, is Jalen Carter. And, you know, off the field stuff aside, his you think he's going to fall? I don't. I don't either. I think I think he still goes top five. Yeah, he, he's a he's an alien in, in terms of, you know, his talent. Um, but after that, there's, you know, I like a couple guys like Mozzie Smith. Um, Michigan guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Siaki Ika, um, Brian Brissy. But all of those guys have 
they, they aren't perfect prospects. And so I could see everyone after Jalen Carter, I'm, I'm not sure which of them will be first round prospects. I could see the, the major questions um, for each of them kind of dropping them to the second round or, you know, their talent causing teams to take them in the first round. You know, Kalijah Kansi, the undersized guy from Pitt is a perfect combine example. workout freak. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He, he's small, but he's also, he was insanely disruptive at Pitt, really productive. And, you know, do you want to take a bet on that athletic ability and that potential, you know, and risk him becoming a bust because of his size? It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a struggle, I'll be honest with you, as far as from this defensive line perspective goes, as far as for the Packers go, right? Because we talked about a tight end, uh, obviously being a need. Edge rush is more of a need than defensive linemen. They don't have a safety. I mean, if you want to say Savage is, is on the roster, fine. He's on the roster, but that's not an answer. Uh, Amos, no. So you you have to find a safety one way or the yeah. other. So if they don't take a safety in the first round, you're going to have to imagine they'll take a safety in the second round. So now we start talking about how far of a slide is there for defensive linemen because based on what you're saying, defensive line at 15 is not the pick at this point. Yeah, I there probably the only guy I would take at 15 is Mozzie Smith, and I know I'm super high on him. More, than, more others. than other people. Yeah, so that may not be something that the Packers want to do. Why do you like him more than others? I what just... separates. Yeah, yeah, I think that... His uh, he's got a ton of athletic traits, um, which unfortunately he was he didn't test besides I think doing the bench press and weighing in at the combine, um, so we didn't get to see some, some of those. But just he was um, Bruce Feldman does a list every year where he kind of lists some of the different freakish athletes in college football. Sure. Mozzie Smith last year he was number one, um, just some insane numbers. Um, I think he ran in college he ran a sub seven second three cone, which is like a wide receiver mark. Oh my God. Um, and you know, he's like 330 pounds. Yeah. He's uh, not like 230. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I think they had, there was a, one of my favorite stories from that piece was, um, they have like a, basically a twist machine, which measures how, you know, defensive linemen in the trenches can twist opponents back and forth. It kind of, you know, me- measures their rotational strength, you know, their core strength, that kind of thing. And the, the machine was designed to have, um, a 300 pound weights on each side. But that was too easy for Mozzie. And so they, mod- they had to especially modify it to have a max of 800 pounds oh to- total. So 400 on each side. And to, to, you know, give him any sort of challenge. He's just, he's an insane guy. I, I really love what he does as a run defender. You know, he's got all that strength, all that athleticism. But he's also smart too. Uh, you know, you can see him recognize blocks and kind of adjust his technique based off of what the opponent is doing in real time. You know, his pass rush, he still needs to develop a little bit in that area, but his power, he, he can, you know, bull rush guys into next Thursday. How much of what you would do drafting defensive linemen has to do with what Kenny Clark does right now? I think that in terms of like what, what you want to, how you Correct. want to use Kenny Clark? Now, how about you want to use Kenny Clark and then the defensive lineman that you want to surround Kenny Clark with? I think that I I naturally gravitate more towards the idea of taking a nose tackle because what I want to really see is I want to see Kenny Clark out of that three technique full time where he can just rush the passer, he can disrupt, and you have someone else who can take on those double teams because yes. you know TJ Slayton came on towards the end of the year, so maybe he's that guy. But I think you still want someone who can you know rotate in with Slayton and and just let Kenny Clark just wreak havoc. 
Yeah, I agree. A thousand percent. I don't see a lot of people talking about that, but I'm 1000% with you. I'd love to see them move him uh, and so forth. This other guy, Carl Brooks, uh, that is on your list. If memory serves correct, if I remember hearing this correctly, I believe he was, is he the only guy from the senior bowl that didn't get invited to the combine or something stupid like that? He um, might've been, I, I couldn't believe when he didn't get invited. To that the is crazy to me. Like, and I, they're obviously not the same people, but like they should be talking like back and forth. Like, how does that not happen? If you're good, <laughs> in, good enough to get invited by Jim Nagy. Then you should be good enough to be in Indianapolis for the combine. In my opinion, because I think Nagy's an unbelievable, does an unbelievable yeah. job with that, that bowl game every year. Um, and that, that's kudos to him, but tell us about Brooks. since obviously nobody's going to see him at the combine. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about him, he was actually an edge in, in college an edge rusher in college at, at 300 pounds. Um, so there's a little bit of a projection going to the NFL cause he's probably going to move inside for the most part at that weight. Um, and there aren't really any 300 pound edge rushers in the NFL, but he's, he's fun to watch. He's explosive. He's fluid. He's a good pass rusher. He knows how to use his hands. Um, at the senior bowl, you know, I talk about there being a little bit of a projection that I think the main area that's going to come in is in run defense. You know, does he have the – he can he adjust to the the more physical, you know, style, quicker, right. you know, the the just the, the quicker part moving parts in, in on the interior. But at the senior bowl, you know, he looked good. He looked like he had enough power. looked like he could, you know, defeat blocks. Um, so even if there isn't a bit of, a bit of adjustment, adjustment, I think he can trans – transmit that to the NFL. He can transmit that pass rush ability, that explosiveness um, without too much of a delay. He's a, he's a fun player. I think that he'd probably be like a three technique type type player, um, but just good pass rusher has a really nice toolbox of moves, just knows how to uh, attack hands. Um, and yeah, just, just deconstruct, deconstruct blocks and get to the quarterback. And the other part about this, um, that is something that I think fans underestimate maybe because the combine's going on and you're looking at 40 times at bench press and shuttles and all this other stuff and what they do with the bags and nonsense. But, but really at the end of the day, when they get in that room with that front office, with that team that they're talking to, these guys want to see what you're all about. Like, are you all about this? Are you obsessed yeah. with this? Are you obsessed with being great? Like how important is this to you? And yeah, I, I'm going to say something that I'm sure will rile up people, but I don't care. I love that movie draft day with Kevin Costner. Okay. Is it realistic? Probably not. But the aspect of it that is real is kind of how they ended up with the players they did and how they did, kind of didn't end up taking the quarterback and doing the background checks and finding out different things about different guys. And, you know, yeah. were they guys that the team looked up to and that whole thing, like all of that stuff is very important to front offices, maybe more, some front offices more than others, right? They just figure like, I, I don't care if he's a kid chemistry guy or not. Guys are free. I'm taking him. Who cares? But in a lot of situations, guys want to see how much you really want it. How much work are you willing to put in and how much work are you willing to be great? There are so many examples in professional sports of guys that were uber talented that should have been rock stars uh, at the level of sport that they were in, NBA, NFL, and simply had zero work ethic, just enough to get by and get that paycheck. And that was all they were willing to do. And if they had the work ethic, they could have went to a whole different level. And for me, yeah. as a Bucks fan, Tim Thomas is the guy I always bring up time and time again. That dude was an absolute freak. 
He could drive. He could shoot outside. He could rebound. He could block shots. He was long, put the ball on the floor. He could do everything. Should have been a superstar in the NBA and simply did not care enough for that ever to occur. So when you get into these interview processes um, in the NFL at the Combine, that's kind of what this is all about. We sit here, you and I, talking about, all right, this guy looks great on tape, and he's got this, yeah. and he's got that. And then he gets in a room, and he's like, yeah, man, I mean, yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking forward. It'll be cool playing the NFL, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And there's not a lot of emotion. There's not a lot of passion. Like, there's nothing right. really there. That could affect his draft stock, and that could drop him down a board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I feel like there's, there's a guy every year where we just wonder why he's dropping, and it's always for those reasons, right, those interview reasons, whether it's – you know, off the field stuff, you know, whether it's background checks. Yeah, yep. exactly. There's a guy, multiple guys every year who who drop like that. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I'm a big Bucks guy. Obviously, I do the Green and Growing podcast, too. And that's like Giannis. Like, when they drafted Giannis, John Hammond uh, and Billy McKinney, when they decided to, to go do that, what kind of drew them to him was his want to, you know, take that next step. They saw the raw ability. Now, Jason Kidd. Um, with Kevin Garnett and these other guys and Kobe Bryant kind of really pulled the rest of that out of him. But if Giannis doesn't have the work ethic he does, he's probably not even in the league right now. He's probably gone. He probably went back to Greece and it's over if he didn't have that work ethic uh, that he has. And again, that's there's a lot of guys that are really good that could be great and simply don't want to put in the time and effort. Last topic with my guy, Sam Holman, underscore, Sam underscore D Holman, WI Sports Heroics. Uh, Check out all of his great work. Great film analyst. Does a, a really good job. Him and Dusty Evelier are my two film guys. I love talking to both of those guys. And of course, Ben Fennel, but he's really big time. I don't get to talk to Ben Fennel as much anymore. Uh, okay, Sam, who are a couple of your favorite players in this draft? Doesn't matter where in the draft they're going to go. Doesn't matter position. Just guys that you're like, man, I would love this dude to end up in Green Bay. Ooh. Um... Maybe quarterbacks. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean hell, the Bears interviewed Young and Stroud. That's amazing to me. And then Stroud yeah. comes out and says, dude, I want to go to the Bears. That That's Fields' team. That, I, I don't want to go to Chicago. No chance. The fact that they're talking to both of those guys, I mean, you could say they're doing due diligence for three, four, five years from now. They become available or some nonsense because I've heard that for years about why you still talk to guys. That's interesting. man. I don't know. That 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 is some interesting stuff when you're holding one and you're like, let's just see if we like him better than Fields. That's, that's what. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're pointing. That's that's interesting. Just, but I think that what Ryan Pools is going to be trying to do, and is he's going to be trying to drive up that price. So he's going to sure. be playing that game of like, oh, we we could take a quarterback, you know, if you really want this guy, you better trade up with us and give us a bunch yep. of picks. Um, but yeah, to to your to your question, I think that one of the top guys for me is Christopher Smith out out of Georgia, of yep. course. Um, safety, you know, he's just a fun player, man. It I feel like you know this last. This last couple of years, it hasn't really been, we haven't really been a team that has been able to put our safeties in run support. And that's like Christopher Smith's, Chris Smith's, uh, that's his game all, all the way. You know, he, he loves triggering down on, on runs. He's great at diagnosing them. From what I've seen, he takes great angles. Um, I, I'm really want to dig into him as, as the draft gets closer and I kind of finish up the defensive lineman class. Um, but He's just a fun player. He's fast. He's physical. He's he's smart. How far how far does he fall before you think he gets drafted? Second round? Third round? I think second round is probably probably a sweet spot for him. So um, could they go branch and then come back with him in the second round? 
I mean, I they could. Those, those are different body types, in my opinion. You know, Branch is more of a nickel defender. Um, probably use him at safety, but right. you know, he he probably fits more in the nickel. Uh, and then Christopher Smith, he's a, he's a safety. So I I could I could definitely see that. That would be interesting. All right, who else you like? Um, to be honest, I haven't gotten into a whole lot of guys. I've been kind of who's your favorite the... defensive lineman you've watched, Ooh. other than Carter. Obviously, yeah, Carter and Mozzie are kind of the two top guys for me. I would say a guy I really like who's kind of flying under the radar is uh LSU's Jacqueline Roy. Um, he's he's more of a nose tackle. I'm not sure if he's going to be on the Packers board. He, I don't think he tested well, so that might knock him down a little bit, though. For what it's worth, defensive line is kind of one of the areas it seems like they're willing to give up some of those testing numbers, right? Like I think that um, Devontae Wyatt was the only guy they had who was like a super elite tester uh, of the defensive linemen they right. drafted. Um, but Jack Lamar, he's just, he's just a useful nose tackle, right? Going back to wanting to move Kenny Clark out to three technique, right? This guy can take on double teams. He can shed blocks one-on-one. You know, he, he does everything you want from a nose tackle. He's not much of a pass rusher right now. He may not be just, you know, because of the position he plays. Sure. Um, but he, he will be a useful player. I think you could probably get him rounds three, round four, somewhere around there. That's good stuff. He is Sam Holman. Again, check him out at Sam underscore D Holman. We'll have to do this again, uh, especially really going to have to do this uh, once we get through this draft here uh, and kind of see what you think of the guys they end up drafting after he gets a chance to watch some film here. Go follow him on Twitter. He does great stuff. Sam, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on.